Hello there, everybody, and you are listening to Nerd Alert. Girls. Girls. Hi, everybody. It's so good to be talking here today, and I think you all know exactly we're gonna be, what we're going to be talking about today. But before we do, I just want to take a quick moment to introduce ourselves. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jen with a G. How's it going, everybody? Hey, everybody. It's been a minute since I've been on this podcast. Uh, this is Bridget, pronoun she, hers. I am your other co-host today. Woohoo! So, very excited to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Um, so, just uh, real quick, if you have not watched it yet, um, the spoiler-free review is that I think it is a solid um, finish to the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy. Um, or, I mean, bonus, with the bonus holiday special, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> it, it's a fun, it's fun, it's emotional, very strong character development. Uh, particularly for Rocket, but also for, like, pretty much all of the other characters, too. Um, but primarily Rocket, Rocket, like, totally, totally steals the show in a magnificent way, um, despite, uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> no, <laughs> we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Um, so, um, yeah, I think that's, like, my, my short, quick review. If you haven't watched it, you're debating it. I would definitely check it out if you enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy, um, and if you want to see, you know, these characters again and have a good time, get emotional. I teared up like three times. Like, <laughs> not gonna lie. Yeah, definitely emotional. Like every Guardians movie has like that perfect blend of like fun and adventure, and just punches you right in the feels, often when you least expect it. Again, this movie did not disappoint. You will have a great time. You'll cry. You'll be faked out by a lot of things and little mini cliffhangers. It's a wild ride. I was totally here for it. I loved it. I was a little concerned that they would mess up this time because unfortunately I was uh the reception I had towards Thor Love and Thunder was you know just meh. So I'm like don't do this to me Marvel. Are you losing steam? Don't do this to me. But Bridget reassured me that it obviously wasn't the case because no changes in directors, no changes in actors. We're solid. James Gunn does a solid movie. I think what's unique about, well, not to, it's not like there haven't been consistent writers and directors in the other Marvel movies. But like, I feel like um, for this in particular, I just like had this strong sense of like James Gunn having a very particular vision for this trilogy you know um and like that he got to see it through the end was really great and like um and also again including the holiday special right and i think oh yeah yeah i don't know i had i had confidence in james gunn's um vision like in terms of like he seemed to really like there was a lot of intentionality i felt like to the previous movies that i felt like and you know it's really tight you know like i think you can watch the Guardians of the Galaxy movies without necessarily watching the whole thing. I mean, we we watched Jen and I watched the movie with a friend of ours and her fiance who only has seen, I think, the Guardians movies. We tried not to judge him too hard for that, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but like he was able to, he had a good time, right? Even though he had not seen any of the other Marvel movies, right? So I think that's the really special part about Guardians of the Galaxy is how it surprised everyone, how it can be um, so relatable and so. Um, Again, like self-contained, that's the word I'm looking for, self-contained, 
you know, and like that doesn't require you to go through the whole slog of the MCU. And I say this with so much love for the MCU, <laughs> but it can be a slog. So <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. Um, and then like, yeah, other other caveat um, before seeing this movie, I would recommend watching the um, holiday special on Disney Plus with the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's not required, but there are just like additional Easter eggs you can enjoy if you have seen it um it's not like terribly long it's not like a full-length feature film necessarily but it's a really good time um and kevin bacon's in it like what more can you ask for exactly but and you know there's a couple like important things that it explains to um leaning into into this move third movie including you know the fact like you know that mantis and peter are siblings and you know the arrival of the space dog whose name still is cosmo 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 uh, yeah yeah who is apparently Soviet? I didn't know. Anyway, okay, so, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think that's like my quick, like spoiler-free general overview look at it. I think it's a tight, solid movie, and I think um, it's really good at having high personal stakes. And I think one of the things that sometimes is can be missing in the MCU is like falling in too hard on the macro conflict versus the micro conflict and by micro i mean more like the small scale and yet big scale for a personal group or family um and i feel like and we've talked about this before where guardians of the galaxy does a more effective job of doing like the whole family theme than like the avengers movies and i know that caroline has ranted about that plenty but i think it's one of guardians of the galaxy's strengths and it continues to be in this movie so Anyway, yeah, any other, like, non-spoilery things you want to share, Jen? Thoughts on the movie? Watch the movie. That's all I have to say. (laughs) Otherwise, we are spoiling the movie. Okay. All right, you have been warned. People have time to log off. Let's get into it, okay? Well, where do you want to begin, actually? I'm thinking, oh man, because I feel like I have like so many thoughts on this and you and I were talking about it on our way home from the movies and I'm like, okay, we can't forget that. We can't forget (laughs) that. We can't forget that. Oh my gosh. So I'm thinking uh, we could start chronologically, you know, just right at the beginning and then just kind of go from there, I guess. Yeah. Well, I I mean, the opening is Rocket, which I I already touched on in the non-spoilery segment of our episode review, uh, podcast review. So yeah, I mean, it opens with um you know rocket when he's a baby raccoon yes a raccoon and he comes to accept that and we'll get into that um (laughs) so he's one of the baby raccoons and like you you know that this is the moment where he's gonna be experimented upon and it's a really interesting moment right because you see like the scientist come in the hand reaching in it's very menacing the lighting and everything is like really well done um like you really feel the suspense and what's what's really was striking about this scene is all the other baby raccoons like are scurrying away to, as far as they can to the other side of the cage as possible, and you know with their backs to the to the hand to this you know creepy dark scientist shadow, right? And yeah. Rocket is the only one who remains facing forward. Like he kind of he he does back up, you know, but he's not like running for the hills necessarily. He's like facing this danger, like like with with fear but i think also i don't know if it's fair to say curiosity or just like i need to take in as much information as i can i can't turn my back to whatever this threat is you know it's an interesting moment and like it's clearly like why he was chosen you know what yeah that totally makes sense when you put it that way because i thought it was interesting too that 
his fellow little baby raccoons were like, nope, I'm out. And he's just like, what is this? And uh, most people who've seen the trailer know exactly what scene we're talking about, you know. So uh, also uh, just a heads up for anyone. If you didn't figure it out already, there is depictions of animal cruelty and torture and death. You know, just so if anyone's uncomfortable with that, just, uh, you know, viewer discretion is advised going into the movie. But we are going to talk about it because it raises some interesting points that the movie made, you know. Right. A lot of a lot of stuff like in the background about like animal rights and everything, which we'll, we can get into. Yeah. So. So, yeah. Uh, Rocket ends up being the special, <laughs> so to speak. Ugh. Um. Yeah, so so basically, you know, we see this, you know, extended flashback interspersed throughout the movie. Um, and, I, you know, I kind of want to talk about it as one through line, if that's all right. Let's um, do it. Let's yeah. do it. I was just going to suggest, yes. Yeah, so I think it's really well done. I think the timing of all of the, the flashbacks is good. Like, you're getting new pieces, and it makes you feel like Rocket is, like, an active part of the movie, even though, like, in the current like time he is lying comatose right after being severely injured by adam warlock um right so he's like unconscious for a majority of this film but because of this extended flashback that is interspersed throughout the movie you feel like he is like an active presence and i think that was really good while still like highlighting and strengthening the suspense and tension because you know in like the present day this present moment he is dying and they ha they have like less than 24 hour or 48 hours to save him right so like this is what i meant by like the micro like the personal stakes are really high right it's not like um universe shattering kinds of mayhem um although it has had the potential to be but they didn't go there right and that's not the primary focus of the story it's about fundamentally like it all revolves around rocket right yeah, so uh, we start off with, like, a little bit of the aftermath of the torture. Like, we get, like, some flashes of the scientists, like, messing with him. Then he gets uh, tossed into a cage with uh, another creature, and then there's two other little creatures next to him. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to remember, that was when his brain was exposed, I think, you know? Like, there were visible injuries, I guess. Yeah, you see the top of his head is shaved, and you see the scar where they had cut open his skull. And it's... Yeah, it's very disturbing, right? And like the first word he says is hurts. And this that really anguish killed small me. Voice. Oh yeah. my gosh, mm -hmm. because you know, you got these three other creatures, you've got an otter, a rabbit and a walrus each with like mechanical like um limbs and such, you know, you got the otter who's got these little metallic claws, you've got uh the walrus whose eyes are forced wide open, which oof. And then the bunny is sort of turned into, like, a bunny spider. You know, mm -hmm. they're, like, comforting him, like, hey, it's okay, you're safe. You know, mostly uh, the otter. She's, like, obviously pretty uh, uh, motherly and warm towards her fellow captives. She's like, I know, I know, you're gonna be okay, friend. You're safe. And she manages to, like, uh, clean him up a little. And that's when he utters his first word, hurts. And you kind of, like, get the sense that all three animals have some vocabulary, although it's pretty clear that the otter has the best grasp on it, while the walrus and the bunny, like, kind of speak in choppy words and phrases for the time being. Right. If you take a moment 
to like think about the fact that she was the had to have been the one to like exist first right to be experimented upon first so she was isolated oh yeah sorry to make you even sadder about <laughs> about the otter but you know i mean that's that's where her maturity comes from is having gone through it by herself first and i think it's why she emphasizes so heavily oh it's so good to have friends right that's her like motto she says that over and over again it's so good to have friends and if you really think about the fact that like she is most likely the first one to have been experimented upon and to be thrown into this cage you know it really shows just how strongly she um values having community even one as small as this one mm-hmm it's so sweet that the four of them bond, like, almost immediately. You assume in between, like, uh, like experiments that they just get to know each other. Rocket develops more of his vocabulary, although he still speaks like, like a little kid for a while. But they play, like, tag, and they're just like, huh, you know, this is, this is great. This is so nice. And you feel the bond within the four. It's so touching and warm, and all you could think is... Oh man, how did how did it end up like this? I mean, Rocket like was just so earnest, wide-eyed and sweet. And then now we know him as this really cantankerous uh, creature, you know. And then oh, we later mm -hmm. see why. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I really love your use of the word earnest cuz I think that is so very true. Um so earnest, so genuine and like oh, just wanted friends. I'm sad. Um, so, yeah. And so, like, the interesting part that happens with Rocket, right, is even from the beginning, first of all, that he's fascinated with Rockets. And you see the little, how he came up with his name, and that's great. Um, and, like, you know, the, so a big centerpiece of this movie is obviously his relationship with the high evolutionary. Now, um, to talk about the high evolutionary, just, like, real quick as an aside, um... I realized that I recognized him uh, like as a character from um, Marvel's uh, Champions, the comic. Um, I don't know if you read this far in, in Champions, Jen, but there's a part um, at some point where the high evolutionary turns Viv Vision into a human. Like that's part of his like he sh he's like, you should be thanking me. You know, I helped you on your evolutionary process or whatever crap he says to her. Um, Ugh. And so so that was my my first and only exposure I had, had to the character. Um, before this but yeah I could even then I could get a sense of like just how obsessed this guy was with like well evolution right of perfecting um beings into into his image right trying to be god so to speak and so um so it was interesting to like see him in like in this um new format right and I think his relationship with Rocket is interesting on so many levels right I mean first of all like in the present day right when they're saying he's like I'm need that you know i don't even remember rocket's like code code number name um but he's like i need rocket obviously he doesn't say rocket but i just can't remember the code <laughs> name right now um it's like, he's like p183 or something like something that. like that um and so um you know he like is desperate for to have him back and like you know his like lackeys are kind of like he's like i want the brain they're like sure that's not the only reason right and I thought, like, are they going to do, like, a father-son relationship thing? And that's why, like, the like a twisted father-son relationship. And that's why he's, like, especially desperate. You know, there was something there implied, right? But as you're yeah. seeing this this flashback progress, you know, there is a moment where, like, 
he like i mean i feel like he literally has rocket sitting on his knee at some point or maybe just like just by his side in a way that does feel like a very father-son moment but then it twisted around very quickly right so quickly because like i was a little surprised when the high evolutionary was showing rocket like stuff outside the cage and outside the medical room or whatever you know just showing him what everything is oh like this is music you know i forget what he they were listening to something classical and pretty and mm-hmm. rocket's like we likes it you know yes <laughs> we like it you know <laughs> right yeah and like when he and when rocket is like doing all the formulas and clearly the high evolutionary is impressed with it and you know and like that's not a guy who's easily impressed you know and so he eventually shows him all these chambers of like these beings that he's working on of like anthropomorphic animals who like he's like i want to speed up evolution by millions of years to make them i mean i guess human-like you know to have them be standing upright on two feet and and what have you um but they had a problem with like too much of a rage when they would um evolve right and so he's like you know i can't then have them all murdering each other you know and rocket's just like well it's I c- he said some science speak that I could never hope to recount, but something about like a hormone <laughs> or a protein or something, and he like explains what is going wrong in the process, and he just and the high evolutionary just look at him like what and like it turns out that it works, and the f- it's just so wild. It works. That was the scary part. Like you've got this little child, basically like oh do this this and that you know and. The high evolutionary and his fellow scientists are like, that could work. And sure enough, it works. Oh my gosh. And like, just to uh, go back on that just a little bit, well, before Rocket solves the equation, so to speak, when they first uh, revolutionize, I can't even remember what the animal was, the f- that first one, the one that went aggressive first. Oh, the, tur- the turtle? Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. They killed it so quickly and Rocket looked like like oh you know but he didn't flinch as hard as you would think you know so i'm like how much have you seen yeah that's a good point i mean yeah so oh there's so much there (laughs) anyway okay so but anyway so the high evolutionary is not like excited he's he's ticked off right he's like how could you figure it out you're my creation like he is like i it's so delicious i i'm trying to even put it into like words but like it's just so delicious this guy who is so arrogant and is like i am the smartest person in the universe and you know i am god and i know how to you know evolve into my perfect image and my perfect creation perfect 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 the way exactly that i want it right and he's like you know steps on everyone looks down on everyone and is all about i mean so much superficial stuff really mm-hmm. um and he's all about aesthetic like clearly he's really obsessed with obsessed with it because he makes the gold people right and like with the anthropomorphic animals and contrasting them with rocket and his friends and he's like no you're ugly you're you know you're an abomination and i mean that's literally the word he uses as unsettling Ugh. and disturbing as it is and there's a lot of layers to that as well but um you know but he's so angry that his own creation is smarter than him how can this lower life form you know be able to come up with a solution that i didn't think of right like it's really galling for him and it's it's just so delicious to see (laughs) um as well as painful right because um his you know authority his 
power, everything he had staked his identity on is called into question. And as often happens with um, masculinity, when it is threatened, it lashes out (laughs) in violence. And so (laughs) I said what I said, okay? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, and like it has dire consequences, right? And I mean, just and like not only physical violence, but emotional violence, right? Um, In terms of like, like I said, like calling um, Rocket Abomination, like not even like, I mean, we talked about this after immediately after watching the film, Jen, right? Like we were talking about like, you know, he didn't even try to like manipulate him, like say Ego did with Peter. Like he like immediately is like, oh, don't be under any illusions. You were never going to go to counter Earth. You know, you were never going to go to Utopia. Like, look at you you know, and again, like, that word abomination, and, like, you know, and just, like, it's, it's such a chilling word, and, like, steals any hope, any value, any worth, right, because it's, like, you don't look the way that I want you to look, and there's a lot of, like, themes of, like, ableism here, which is, will be really interesting to unpack, too, with, especially with, like, Rocket and all of his friends, um, but, like, yeah, there's just, like, so much really interesting, like, anyway, so, like, yeah, the way that he lashes out um, in order to hide, really, I mean, his own insecurities, right, that has been woefully exposed by Rocket, not even realizing that he's smarter than him, not even realizing that he has solved the problem that has been beyond the grasp of the high evolutionary, and so I just think that's really interesting. But, yeah, and so he steals Rocket's hope and throws him into the cage, but Rocket, of course, you know, builds that key to, you know, set himself free, and he wants to set his friends free, and this is where we get to the really sad part. (laughs) Uh, It hurts, because, like, you're thinking, like, why would Rocket and his friends be okay with being in cages, you know, other than just, oh, we're lonely and we're trying to figure our life out. But they were all so convinced that they were going to be in this world. You know, they were having dreams of, we're going to fly in a rocket together over our new home. Oh, it's going to be so great, you know. Let's, let's, we need names for ourselves, you know. You know what, I want to be Lila. I want to be Teeth because I have them, like, I know we all have them, but mine are prominent. (laughs) I want to be Floor, you know, I want to be Rocket. You know, they had all these wonderful hopes that Mm. they would eventually see the sky like how rocket was describing him again only for the high evolutionary to be like uh no you're freaks you're going to be incinerated and so rocket gets his friends out and he's just like no you know it was all a lie we're getting out of here we're gonna be free and he and lila share a hug like we're gonna get out of here we're gonna be free and then boom we hear a bang and we know the high evolutionary in true evil jerk ass form kills lila and is like i had a feeling you would do something like this you know and rocket's just anguish like oh my gosh i don't know if that was a that must have been bradley cooper like screaming for rocket or maybe it was a sean gunn when he was doing uh the motion i don't know yeah no i'm pretty sure that was bradley cooper and like the sobbing like the wailing the heart-wrenching like deep in your gut that leaves you sore afterward kind of sobbing oh my gosh and meanwhile poor teeth and floor are freaking out like what is going on you know rocket's like wailing and the high evolutionary is just like ah, ah, oh, are we having a crying match you know just oh the worst you know 
-hmm. and Rocket like attacks him, like just goes full feral, Mm -hmm. scratching and biting and just kicking his butt in the way that only we know as Rocket, you know, would. And then, you know, you got these guards coming in to try to stop him. They shoot, you know, and he fights back and kills them all. Only to find out that they had shot uh, Florin Teeth too, you know, killing them both. And it just... Oh, man. It hurt. And you could just see the guilt and the anguish in his face. Oh, my gosh. Like, the moment he, like, he had to leave him behind and leave because he knows, like, they're gonna kill me. But, oh, my gosh. And it just... Oh. Yeah. What a scene. It's a really, it's a really great scene. And also, I want to make a note of um, Lila seeing the sky when she's dying. Oh my gosh! She's like, oh sky! I was like, oh, crying, crying. Yeah, I'm getting emotional even just thinking about it right now. So, (laughs) yeah. So, and like, I don't know. There's just so much, right? You see the seeds of like Rocket's personality being planted. Right. In terms of like, yes, his creative, inventive mind and his like wanting for like thrills and adventures and like a deep want for friendship. Right. And community. And when it's so viciously taken from him, you know, and seeing the moment he snaps and becomes again, like you said, the rocket we know today, it's like you can see how he got to that point. And, you know, just like all the rage that he's just like carrying with him ever since that moment. And, you know, he, and like, he really is just like ready to fight everyone at all times. And, you know, like realizing now where that part of his personality comes from, it's so tragic, you know, like you knew that he was like angry for like a reason. Right. But like, um, just to see like the origins of it in such a painful way is, yeah, no, it's just, there's no other word than heart-wrenching, you know? And so, mm-hmm. uh, but the other thing I wanted to touch on with with Rocket that I I took note of yesterday when we were first talking about this, um, Jen, is, you know, all his friends have, you know, like, mechanical limbs of some kind, right? Like, the, like, Teeth's yeah, is in... Yeah, mechanical prosthetics, yeah. Yeah, so, like, his Teeth's in, is in, like, a, a wheelchair, and then, like, spider legs for floor and like the was it arms and the legs for lila i can't remember i know it was the arms for sure Um, the arms for sure i can't remember the legs yeah um so they all have like you know yeah these prosthetic limbs and rocket's the only one who doesn't um so that's interesting and like but if you think of all of like the running gags um with rocket and like prosthetic limbs right with Bucky's arm with the guy's leg in the first movie and like Rocket having a real big laugh you know and it's an ableist joke and it's there right but there's something complicated in realizing that he's doing this um like after having known you know having his closest friends be themselves have like you know like I, I mean, you can't imagine, right? Um, him laughing at Floor, like at her legs being cut off or taken away, right? Like, you could never, <laughs> you know. So there, there's something there too about like this, um, the way he's redirected his grief into dark humor about it, you know. 
Yeah, and you know, I didn't even think about it until you mentioned it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, because I thought that was one of the funniest reoccurring jokes in the Guardian series, you know, the fact that he's just cracking up about, like, hey, how do you look, you know, hopping around on one leg, or, oh my gosh, and then, you know, he wakes up and there's his eye gone, you know, and he's genuinely busting up, but now you're just like, oh, oh, like, is that his way of dealing with his pain and loss every time he sees, like, a, a metal prosthetic, you know? Like, is it his way to not think about his friends, but think about them? I think you said that yesterday. Right, just... to think about them, but not think about them. And, like, yeah, I don't know. There's just, like, there's just, like, an emotional core to it that is that is really interesting. Um, again, even though these jokes are still ableist and making fun of people with disabilities or who need wheelchairs or prosthetic limbs is not okay um no matter how much pain you're in but you know that this it's an unexpected layer to to um you know what you know rocket you know enjoy enjoyed doing enjoyed making fun of you know um and i wonder too if like his relationship with nebula kind of adjusted his like treatment of like prosthetics right because he gives her arm like a massive upgrade as well i don't know if he gives her upgrades in other parts of her body but like um for sure the arm right it's like awesome like <laughs> even yeah. better than bucky's arm like and bucky's arm is awesome <laughs> and so <laughs> <laughs> you know and so i yeah i don't know he like he could give shuri a run for her money there i said it so Oh, you know. <laughs> damn. You're not <laughs> wrong, though. Oh, yeah, seriously. And so, like, you know, I just wonder what, like, how that also adjusted, like, how, because there was no jokes made about it this time. You notice that? Like, there's none whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think about, I was thinking about this throughout the movie about how Rocket and Nebula were all that was left after the snap, you know, so they had, like, five years, just the two of them. So I wonder, like, if, if there was, like, this adjustment period where, like, he made fun of her prosthetics and she just was not having it, you know? But then, like, maybe, like, to apologize, he made her that new arm. And I can only assume that the other uh, stuff that we see with her, you know, being able to reset her bones, so to speak. That, that I, I feel like that's Rocket's kind of thing because I haven't seen Nebula do uh -oh. that in, when she's popped up, you know? I'm pretty sure that was a thing before. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't remember that feeling new to me when I saw it. I, I mean, I was like, gross, cool. But it didn't feel like... I felt like I had seen that before. No, I feel like I definitely have seen it before. Like, someone can prove me wrong if I am wrong, but, like, I am most certain that's not that's not a rocket upgrade. Um, Just so much of her body has been, like, replaced with other parts. Um, You know, like, it's, like, to completely internal, like machinery in her entire body that like i don't think rocket would necessarily be responsible for that's that has to be thanos's cough cough handiwork <laughs> you know <laughs> oh my gosh i just i think a part of me just really wants rocket to erase thanos from nebula entirely in what that's way impossible. He can. it's intrinsic you know uh, the only part that where we don't have that is is the what if episode <laughs> so <sighs> a girl can hope but yeah i don't yeah so so anyway yeah that's just like an interesting um sad thing to think about for everybody now you're welcome so <laughs> <laughs> um and also too like his first it, it was like 
interesting to see like his first escape right because he's known as a mastermind of escape they even make it a whole thing in like the disneyland guardians ride right like that he engineers the whole escape with the what was formerly known as the tower of terror ride that became the guardians of the galaxy ride like the whole shtick is rocket engineering their way out from the collector spoiler alert for the uh-huh. ride i guess but <laughs> um <laughs> Um, I can't believe I'm bringing up Disneyland as we're analyzing Rocket, but here we are. So here we are. But you know, it's like it's a frequent thing theme with him as well, and it also like makes me think of just like the immediate aftermath of like him meeting the original Groot. I know we talked about that as well. Like that original Groot, like must have been like the perfect person for him to like become Rocket's like first friend after losing his you know his first friends, like his first friends, you know. Because, like, he was such a sweet soul, OG Groot, you know, and I, but also is, like, tough as nails and also is just, like, a puppy and will follow you anywhere you go and is not easily deterred by roughness, you know? That's just exactly what Rocket would have needed. Uh-huh. And let's not, let's not forget, Groot can't die. Like, you you shoot him, you cut off limbs, they grow back, you know? So that must have, like kind of cinch the deal here for rocket because i can totally see groot like just attaching himself to rocket i am groot yeah yeah i know that you idiot you told me that several times you know but groot's like not leaving him alone he's like this this guy is my friend now and rocket's just like (laughs) go away but then once he realizes okay groot's willing is useful to me plus i don't have to babysit him okay you know we can do this partnership you know so yeah. I can totally see that dynamic and I wish we kind of could have seen more of that. But, you know, Rocket was in a coma for like 90% of the movie. So, all right, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, I think that is for the realm of fan fiction. I didn't necessarily need to see that in this movie. Um, It's just something that I was thinking about. But also Groot can die. Like the OG Groot is dead. This is a different Groot that spawned from the original Groot. Um, So, I mean, I don't know if Rocket knew that or thought about that as much, but like just yeah anyway um it is a different Groot I want to I want to recognize our new buffer buffer Groot (laughs) um who is so thick my gosh anyway (laughs) (laughs) oh he's growing up yeah um like in his 20s right like the pre-OG Groot was more like what do we say like the equivalent human age would be old and wise that is all I'm thinking Yeah, this yeah. Groot is like frat boy group. Mm. Groot, you know, just like in his 20s, he's like, he's got a sense of responsibility, but can still have fun, you know, still pretty young at heart, you know. Plus, just every other thing that Groot does, like from the escape attempt that he and Peter do, I'm just like, yeah, that's something a 20 year old would do, you know, just willing to try once. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Um, so that's yeah. Again, the stuff of this is stuff of fan fiction. I know there is one out there. I just need to find it because um, I'm really interested in reading it. But yeah. So anyway, okay. Well, I think I think that's all I wanted to say about the like the rocket flashbacks. Presently, we can drop circle back when we're at the climax when we're discussing the climax of the film. Unless there's anything else you wanted to add. Uh, no. It's like you said. We'll uh, talk more about it. You know, as we talk. Because, man, we get a lot of stuff in this movie, and Rocket is just one of many thoughts that I had for this. Seriously, because the last that we left off, we had the holiday special. Peter was still pretty upset about uh, Gamora dying, and then 
her past self is alive, but she does. It's at the point where before she met the Guardian, so she's MIA for the time being. So he feels like he's lost a part of himself. Oh, but hey, wait a minute. Mantis is my half sister. So he's still fighting with his grief because I think you and I talked about how he never got the chance to properly, you know, work through his grief. Yeah. Just never, never had therapy. I mean, he was raised by space pirates who obviously don't talk about their feelings. Right. I mean, and if anything, he likes Peter has spiraled even more than like the holiday special. You know what I mean? Like it was obvious that he was sad, but this is he was like blackout drunk, you know, when we see him in the you know beginning of this film. And it's like so bad. And like, you know, I, I really feel for Peter in, in this movie. I mean, I feel for him in general just because like. Well, for, like, Gamora specifically, he, like, never had closure, right? Like, she died, and then he was dusted, and then he comes back, and it's this version of Gamora. Was Gamora dusted? No. Wait. No, no, Gamora was... Okay, sorry. I'm just trying to figure out, like, timeline stuff. Um, She was already dead. Yes, okay. So... Yep. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, like, you know, he died, and she died, and then he died, and he comes back, and she's there, but it's not her. And, like, it's, like, that's a weird, like place of limbo to be like you know that he can't even like properly grieve her because she's kind of there but not and so that's just like a lot to deal with you know especially as as you said jen like he never had therapy or any kind of like serious emotional support he only has it now with mantis but he won't listen to her because she's the little sister (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i mean i think mantis isn't listened to in general like people including nebula like really look down on her a lot which you know, we'll get into that later, but, um, you know, so, so Pete, that's the other, like, I guess, primary arc, right, is Peter dealing with, um, never properly grieving Gamora, because the fact is that Gamora is gone, and it's appropriate to mourn her, you know, regardless of, of this other Gamora that's around, and so, you know, and it's super, like, the, the cringe and secondhand embarrassment is so high. <laughs> for, so high. Mm. Oh my gosh. You know, when Gamora comes back and Peter's just like practically simping after her and trying to get her to like kind of talk to him. Just it hurts. I'm like, I mean, stop, sweetie. I mean, he freaks out when, you know, they, they come up with the, they con- concoct a plan to, you know, get the plans to, to kill the kill switch in Rocket so they can save him, you know, and they're there and it's like, oh, surprise, like, Gamora's here with the Ravagers and he he's just, like, freaking out and Nebula's like, I, you know, he's like, why didn't you tell me? And Nebula's like, I didn't want you to freak out. He's like, I'm freaking out! <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, but, like, I think, to be fair, I think Nebula should have told him. Like, I think it's way worse for him to be surprised in the middle of the action like this. Like, um i don't yeah i just i like i I, i'm guessing it was more from a place of she didn't want to deal with the annoyance of him any longer than she had to (laughs) but like speaking it like in all fairness i think i think she should have told him like before like she was suddenly there you know like as it is like he's not practically grieving her and so just like to have him smacked in the face with gamora is just like too much but you know, um, especially because, like, I don't know, he's definitely, like, a wild card. I think that was very clear from Infinity War, you know, if no other time. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we're gonna talk about that, yes, you're totally right. 
But I also think to myself, knowing Nebula the way we know Nebula, she was raised by the Mad Titan himself. He was probably, he pitted uh, Nebula and Gamora against each other. There's definitely a lot of secrets being held, and she's definitely learned not to tolerate stuff. In fact, I'm a, 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 a part of me is a little, little, little surprised that she stuck with the Guardians for as long as she did. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was just all Rocket, and also a part of a sense of duty to watch after her sister's friends, you know? But man, if it weren't for that, I think she would have been like, bye, you all suck, you all irritate me. I mean, she blows up at uh, Drax and Mantis at some point after what you can tell is something that's festered for a long time that she's probably snapped at before. So yeah, she should have told him, but I'm also not surprised that she didn't tell him. Like, no, I'm yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised either necessarily. It's just kind of like, I'm just like, all right, to be fair to Peter. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is really painful to watch. Um, and um, I... I'm going to skip around, I guess, and, and since we're talking about the whole Peter and Gamora thing, but, like, you know, I mean, just throughout the film, you can see him, again, like, projecting a lot of, like, the past Gamora onto current Gamora, and, like, just, like, you know, the way that just keeps fizzling and crackling throughout the movie, I think, is really good, right? Because this, like, I think, I think, I mean, I think Peter actually puts it pretty well. It's like, I, I was just a guy, met a girl, fell in love. And then that girl died, and then she came back a total dick. <laughs> and <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> you know, Nebula's like, that is the gist of it. And, like, she was, like, a total dick. Like, <laughs> you know, she, like, it, like, I forgot, or I took for granted, like, how vicious she was, you know, for, like, Nebula's, like, and I was the mean one. Uh, that's such a sister thing to say also, by the way. Um, yes it is <laughs> you know everyone thinks that she's the nice one no i w i was the nice one um like and comparatively that might have well well been the case because i was thinking of the second movie where nebula's like i just wanted a sister you know yes oh that hurt the one all about winning she was the one who beat nebula every time like she was vicious she was all about survival and you can see how like that without like having erased all of the character development that she got from the first guardians movie onward like, this is more where she was when she was under Thanos' thumb, you know? And, like, I mean, I love the Ravagers, right? But they're not a great space for, like, inner healing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. And so, I don't know, that was an interesting contrast to, to unpack as well. And you can really see the similarities between the, t you know, Gamora and Nebula as sisters. Um, that does not mean that... Peter and Nebula should date and I hate they even made the joke I'm not saying it was a bad joke it was a good joke but I was like very uncomfortable and very worried the whole movie I'm like please don't go there please don't go there please don't go there okay thank goodness honestly though same I was just like every time Nebula and Peter interacted I was like oh crap oh crap no don't do that oh no 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 damn it Marvel I thought we I thought we told you you're not good at ships don't do it. Yeah, the only ship I ship uh, for Gamora is was Cha Cha, like only one. Oh, you the mean with the uh, Nebula? Yeah, Nebula. Sorry, did I say oh Gamora. I meant Nebula. Um, yeah, no, that's Nebula it. and T'Challa. That's all we accept. It's the only acceptable ship for me. And <laughs> um, otherwise, let her be single and angry slash happy. I don't know. Um, so anyway. But yeah, so like the whole tension with with Gamora and Peter and just like 
you know, I had wondered, like, were they going to go there? Were they going to end up together or back together at the end or imply, like, another unspoken thing, so to speak? And I was glad that they didn't, you know, like, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but, like, I don't think any of us on this on this podcast have ever thought that Peter and Gamora were, like, a good fit. Um, like, I mean, I, I think Drax put it really well when he was, like, having that whole conversation about, like, you know, you're a dancer and she is not, right? And, <laughs> and like, I think that's, like, still true, you know? Even more true with this version of Gamora, who is very bloodthirsty and will not hesitate to kill anyone in sight, right? And it's so it was so funny to see Peter be self-righteous toward her and was like, you of all people, Peter, like, all right. But... <laughs> You know, but, like, especially with this version of her, though, like, I just really did not see them fitting together. And, you know, so I was glad that they didn't go there. And But at the same time, like, they were able to come to a resolution. And, like, don't get me wrong, they had, like, their moments, right, when Peter, like, sa- tackles her to save her again, right? It's reminiscent of the first movie and, like, the first moment that I think they really bonded in the original timeline. Um, or, you know... I don't know how to say yeah. how to, yeah. Um, you know, so there were parallels that, like, st- I think still could apply that they could go there in the future. Um, but for, like, the purposes of this movie and Peter coming to peace with, you know, that Gamora being gone and him needing to focus on himself and learning how to swim, that's a beautiful metaphor by Mantis, by the way, that you've been hopping from lily pad to lily pad in the pond of life, and now is the time to learn how to swim. Like, it's a, it's a wonderful metaphor and exactly what he needed to hear and like i loved him like finally getting to internalize that and like coming to terms with like needing to focus on himself and on his family and you know rather than gamora at the same time you know there was a moment where i we had thought like okay if they are gonna do the peter gamora thing again it was when she was alone in the ship right yeah when uh peter's picture fell out of the bag or whatever you can yeah. see her softening up a little bit, seeing, like, a younger picture of Peter and kind of going through his stuff. Like, I'm thinking, okay, at the very least, she's got to realize that this doofus, you know, has a good heart, you know? So, and I was even wondering if she would look through Rocket's memories, you know, and kind of see what the old her went through and was and would kind of maybe not go for Peter entirely, but maybe like soften up to him where it could be a possibility in the future. But like you said, I'm very relieved that they didn't go that way. I'm like, nah, these two need to kind of grow for a little while. You know, Peter does need to face his grief head on and figure some stuff out. And Gamora kind of needs to be around people that she can actually trust because you know, Peter, like, accuses the Ravagers of not being Gamora's real family, but mm-hmm. at the end, when she reunites with them, you see them all happy to see her, and she's happy to see them, and it's very nice. It's a very tender it's... moment. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah. the, Ravagers, the Ravagers are, like, about loyalty, you know? So, like, I thought it was very unfair. Uh, I mean, I understand where it's coming from, but it was very unfair of Peter to act like they didn't really care about her in, you know... um that they weren't her real friends or family, you know, and totally invalidating her current experience and her feelings, you know? It was just Mm -hmm. all about him in that moment, all about what he is experiencing, all about him projecting, all the stuff, you know, we can go into the psychoanalysis, but, you know, it's it was very 
it was very self-centered of him, you know, and it shows again how much he needs to grow and like and I think even the moment where she's with like the the photo in the backpack and everything like shows what I've said again before is that like Gamora, I think in any version is more attracted to the soft Peter, but Peter hates soft Peter. So like hence the dilemma. <laughs> You know, he hates being vulnerable. And the fact is that, like, unless he, you know, leans into that, like, he could never hope to, like, have a meaningful relationship with Gamora, let alone anyone else. Um, that said, I still feel like their personalities are a little bit too head buddy to really work as, like, a romantic couple. As, like, team mom and team dad of, like, the uh, Guardians, like, sure, I think they work, you know, work fine. Um, but, like... You know, in terms of a romantic couple, I just, you know, I have a hard time seeing it. Like, I was trying to think of, like, who I could better picture, like, Peter with on a romantic level when he's, like, sorted his stuff out. And, like, I don't know. I'm curious what you think. Oh, man, that's that's a tough one. Um, I, Honestly, I, I don't know. I'm, like, trying to think of people in the MCU, but I'm also trying to think of people in the comics that they haven't put into the MCU. I might have to get back to you on that because I genuinely don't know. I mean, and I'm trying even... to remember, huh? Oh, I was gonna say not even like a particular person that exists in the Marvel or MCU. I just like into general like a personality type that you feel like would vibe with him. Because like, I mean, I feel like he needs like a fellow dancer, like a fellow goofball who isn't afraid to look a little silly and like doesn't take life too seriously, but at the same time is very no nonsense. And doesn't put up with his crap, you know, and calls him out on it when it when necessary, you know. But at the same time, it like is easygoing and likes to have a fun time and is charmed and endeared by his lame dancing and pop culture references, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like that's what I would picture for him. I feel like the only one who's kind of close to that is um the X-Men's version of Pietro. Funnily enough, like, I don't know if Peter swings that way, but I think they would have a fun time together, you know? I mean, I think they would get into too much trouble together, so I'm not sure that it's the best combination. <laughs> like, I feel like it would be, have to be a Pietro with more maturity, but... <laughs> yeah. No, I, I can see what you're saying, and Peter, I don't think, swings that way unless, you, unless you're on AO3. But I could totally see that. Yeah. So... Anyway, yeah, okay. Well, I look forward to going through the Pietro and Peter Quill tags later. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it does exist. There's got to be at least one fic out there. There's a fic for everybody. Um, Truly, though. Anywho. But in any case, um, yeah, so, like, it was good, though, to see him finally, you know, comes to, to terms with that. Um, but I will say it is. it was funny, too, to see, like, the sort of like i guess player uh peter quill make a resurgence you know both with him trying to make the moves on gamora but also just like i mean that actually felt more earnest in him trying to do that but as self-centered as it is um but you know with with um i don't remember her name but the pink pink lady you know at when he's trying to charm her and, and gamora's like no we don't have time for this he's like no no it'll work you know and he's uh -huh. like totally butting her buttering her up and then, like, Gamora's impatient and just, like, just give us this information and holding a gun to her head. And Peter's like, we don't do that here. I'm so sorry. And she's like, well, I did kind of think you were a douche and douchebag. But I'm like, I think you were mm -hmm. kind of falling for it. She clearly did later. And he's like, I told you she was into me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm on his side for this one. 
Oh my god, seriously, that that was a good moment, you know. Seems like Drax has been shot a couple times, Mantis is trying to help him, they're all surrounded, they gotta get out of there. And Peter just tells that poor girl, please, we are just doing this to save our friend, you know, just that earnest genuine guy act you know and she's Mm -hmm. like okay yeah talk to them speak your truth and he's like hell no i'm not doing that you know you got me into the system i'm gonna shut them down i'm like yeah yeah there it is (laughs) yeah yeah because like i'm like he's done unconventional things like the dance off in the first movie so i'm like it's not without the realm of possible like it didn't feel totally out of character for him to do that but i'm also i also thought to myself i don't think it'll work though so when he was like no we're not doing that i was like oh okay good (laughs) <laughs> there we go there we go yeah <laughs> yeah um so yeah i think that was like a that was just like a fun moment for me anyway just to watch that he's just yeah. always a flirt he always is dear gosh but again happy that he and gamora didn't end up together but that they have a nice understanding of each other and he seems to accept that that's not quote-unquote his gamora you know but he's clearly learning how to swim, like how Mantis uh, said that he needed to. So I, I felt that was very, very nice. You know, if they would have tried to force it, I would have, like, grimaced. Yeah, I think there was, like, a way they could have not, like, had them totally be together and happy at the end, but to, like, imply something at the end. But, you know, they didn't go that route. And so, yeah, I don't know. It did surprise me. Um, but I am not unhappy with it, so... Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, okay. Well, we should talk about we should talk about Adam Warlock before um it gets too far away from us. The plot. So I mean, he's the one who sets everything in motion because he's he's comes in to try to retrieve Rocket, but he actually ends up injuring him in the process. And when you really think about, it, you're like, you did not think that through, bro. I mean, I know you're a baby, but <laughs> like. <laughs> it's like that like he was out of the pod like years early which i thought was a good explanation for why he wasn't like around like or why he didn't he'd come out sooner um yeah it's like- i was thinking about that you know the timeline because you know he was in his pod at the end of guardians 2 you assume like he got out was kind of quote-unquote being raised by aisha and the rest of the sovereign i don't know if he got snapped or not i really don't but he's still very young mentally even if he's uh got the body of will poulter here right will poulter man okay i gotta do the shout out for this guy the guy i thought i would forever know as eustace scrub is now like a beefcake (laughs) like what oh my gosh he bulked up and you don't you can't really tell at first you know because he's all like a glittery bullet firework most of the time but like towards the end there when he's uh when he's like practically blown up and most of his clothes are gone i'm like oh shoot dude's got like a six pack what what happened i i remember seeing like photos of him like built like on the internet before the movie came out so i knew that he was like massive um but like anyway so he was such perfect casting for Eustace Scrub and like, but like he's such a different vibe from Adam, you know, and I, I thought it was, I thought he was fun. Um, I have a, I think there's like, he's has some like controversy, like not everyone loves him on the internet. I haven't like looked too deeply into it, but um, I, I thought he was like fun and like served his purpose, like popping in and out. He wasn't the character I cared the most about. And so I didn't need more of him necessarily you know um, uh-huh. 
he was just like a goof figuring it out you know just wanted to get back to his mom just wanted to have a cute pet named blurp that's apparently the name blurp he called it blurp it's called blurp well according to wikipedia adam's pet blurp um so that's hilarious because like (laughs) they bring in that ravager with the blurp you know to question him about gamora and where the guardians were heading so they could retrieve rocket before the high evolutionary did because i guess the high evolutionary made the sovereign and he threatened aisha and the others like yo i made you i can take you out go get me uh my specimen you know only for him not to even have any real uh faith in them i'm like okay whatever whole he sucks but anyway but when they were uh, threatening the Ravager, who was really adamant about not talking, Aisha tells Adam, you know, take care of him. And he's like, all right, Disintegr- practically disintegrates him, <laughs> melts him down. Oh, my God. But then he keeps the pet. He's just like, no, it's mine now. You know, <laughs> I <Yeah>. feel sad. <laughs> like Emotions are so confusing to him. When uh, Nebula stabbed him, he's like, oh, that hurt. Mm, you know yeah, i don't right. like what you're making me feel you know yeah he's a he's a blunt instrument that's the best way to put it truly truly like i don't know what they were doing with him the whole time other than you know teaching him how to speak and i'm assuming walk and harness his power or whatever mm-hmm. but clearly they didn't give him a chance to be happy or goof off a little now he is a weapon through and through so like the fact that he kind of sort of adopted this blurp he was just so happy with well like his version of happy with it and he even Mm -hmm. took it with him on his mission because he was afraid aisha would kill him yeah (laughs) and she probably would have she would have yeah she totally would have that's that's the definition of the mother who would let loose the stray cat that their kid brought home and say that it ran away you know except she'd kill it uh yeah, drowning in the river. She's just well, the animal cruelty never ends. It never ends. Oh my yeah. gosh. So yeah, Adam was intense and I remember being terrified when they brought him up in the second movie. I'm like, "No, not him." Because I remember reading a comic with him and I'm like, "Oh no, he's like one of those anti-heroes that are really hard to beat." Oh my gosh. No. So I was scared, but then seeing him like almost clueless, I was like, okay, I can, I can deal with this. He's carrying around a little bushy creature blurb. He carried around a severed head for a little bit just because he didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Okay. I can work with this. One of my favorite moments too, when Gamora threatens blurb and he's like, don't be rash. That's right. It's such perfect delivery. I mean, I knew that Will Poulter had good comedic timing. I knew that from the Narnie movies and as well as the bits and pieces of We Are the Millers that I have seen. I've never seen the full movie, but I've seen bits and pieces. So I knew he had like a knack for comedy. So it was fun to see that in action. I think um for, out of all the like Marvel movies, like he's a pretty good fit for for the Guardians in particular. Yeah, but, that perfect blend of intense, action-packed, powerful, and funny. Yeah. Yeah. And like it gets into the whole second chance thing, which is a big theme with Guardians of the Galaxy Galaxy as well, you know, of like For sure, it, yeah. You know, yeah, you've messed up, but like you still have a chance to to choose a different path. 
and and also like in terms of found family too, right? Because he loses his original family, his mother, right? And he's yeah, did he has not no expect that to hurt. You know, I was like, I didn't care much for Aisha. She sucks as like a villain. You know, you can see where she gets her ego from, considering who created her and the sovereign. Right. But I actually like felt like I was punched in the stomach when, you know, the the, the other Earth or whatever was blowing up. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, Mother? You know, and he immediately jets off to try to rescue her only to watch her blow up in front of him. Mm, we don't get yeah. to process his grief too well at that moment. But mm-hmm. he's all alone now and he even questions why he was rescued only to be told like by Groot and Drax everyone deserves a second chance and you can just see him kind of like huh okay you know yeah and so that was like and it was a really beautiful moment when he goes and saves Peter at the you know at the very end that recreates the iconic God and Adam scene that was that was very clever I like that oh man bridge I remember we were talking about how people were thinking that Rocket was going to be killed, yeah. you know, before we saw the movie. And I was partially afraid that they would uh, kill Drax because I'm like, okay, I know Bradley Cooper and Dave Bautista are finished. Like, they don't want to do anymore. I respect that. I'm sad. But I get it, you know. But there are other ways to make a character go away without killing them. And there was a couple of close calls here and there, you know. We thought we lost Rocket. I honestly thought we lost Drax for a moment, you know, when he got shot like twice. Mm. But Peter, when he went back for his Walkman, only to miss the jump from the pyramid spaceship thingy to nowhere and then is just freezing out in space and Groot desperately trying to reach him only for uh, his wooden fingers to freeze. I was like, no, that hurt. no. Oh, someone is dying after all. Oh my god. You know, I was losing my mind. And then boom, there's Adam just pushing him back. And, you know, the Guardians share this big tearful hug. And, you know, the people of nowhere are getting in on it. And even Adam's just like, I don't know what to do here, but all right. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of learns how to hug right there. And yeah. I don't know if you caught this, but the nowhere guy that was that adam happened to be leaning on look kind of like what the heck but all right you know <laughs> yeah no i yeah i saw that that was really, and gamora still stands at a distance and it shows again another really great visual reminder of like this is not this is the gomor who's at a distance who has chosen another path who has gone on a different way you know and is emotionally distant even if she is has softened towards the guardians somewhat for so, sure I, and Honestly, it was nice to see Gamora soften in general because she was totally ready to, like, leave the Guardians behind. She wasn't going to join their mission to retrieve the database that would save Rocket. She's on the ship. But the moment that Warpig tries to take Rocket, she's like, I don't think so. And then you kind of see her look a little devastated when that Earth gets blown up and I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, she must have seen this so many times while living with Thanos. And yet, you could tell it's just never gotten easier for her. Right. If there's one criticism I do have of this movie, it is not really dwelling on the destruction of Counter-Earth long enough. Like, I thought that they missed a prime opportunity with 
I mean, because you pointed that out with Gamora that she's seen this a lot of times. That could have been a really great moment for her to have like an emotional beat and like to even what was the, you were saying like to hear like even just like an audio thing of like perfect balance in like Thanos's voice, right? Right. Like, Seriously. Yeah. I knew Thanos would be mentioned. I didn't think they would bring him back, even though part of me was wondering if they would. But I'm like, yeah, just put the voiceover of him, you know, perfect balance. And then she'd be like, no, you know, and it would just hit her a little harder or something. Now that she's officially out of Thanos' control and you would, she's probably thinking, oh, he's dead. The world destroying thing is behind me now. Nope. No, it's not, you know. So it would have been nice if they would have like kind of sat with that for a little I, I get the like it was an intense moment we got to get off this planet it is literally blowing up around us I get it but even if it was just one brief moment of devastation that I think I would have uh, I think it would have sat with us a little more because I I have a strong suspicion people are going to kind of forget that counter earth was blown up like that family that helped the guardians find out where they could have been keeping that information for rocket they're dead yeah that, that was the little most, girl yeah. that mm-hmm. like threw the ball at them she's dead they're all dead that cute little suburban area dead yeah no it surprised me that like no one survived you know like not that family not anyone else and like it was more surprising that they just didn't dwell on it at all and like yeah, again, like, I don't, I don't need a whole monologue about it, you know, I just needed just more of an emotional beat to center it for just, you know, just, a, just one extra minute just to be like, a planet is gone, you know, they were able to save that other, you know, the other group, but like, that's still really rough, you know, and like, I don't know, I just really felt for that family in particular that helped them, and I'm really sad about them being gone. Oh, <sighs> man, like, yeah. they didn't have to help. But they totally mm-hmm. did, you know, through like charade, they let them into their home, even though Drax put his feet on the couch and they gave him like a blue <laughs> soda that Nebula really liked, you know, just. It was yeah. so nice of them and that they had that moment of bonding and yeah, it's all gone. So we, it- we could have sat with it a little, a little, you know. Yeah, especially because like Peter actually used genuine earnestness this time around, you know, which feels especially significant considering like. It was with, like, you know, the the mom, the wife first. You know, he doesn't try to make the moves on, on her or anything. He just, like, gives her the bandage and is genuine about asking for help, you know? And, like, that's, like, a really great moment for, like, him. And, like, I just, yeah, I just, I just wish that, like, that had been mourned a little bit more. So, my one yeah. problem with this movie. But, um, yeah, so, so, I mean, all of that's happening and there's, you know, all the... I mean, there's so much going on, right? But, like, all the children, right? And, like, um, you know, well, actually backtracking a little bit, right? So, like, um, Peter goes into the trap, which he calls a standoff. Uh, or face-off. <laughs> he calls a face-off. And everyone's face like, off, it, yeah. it is a trap, you know? But, like, I think, I think I do agree with Peter's assessment. He came in with a plan. Groot had all the guns, you know? Mm-hmm. Suckers. Oh, they didn't even scan Groot. Idiots. I know. I know just absolute disasters um and like when they turned when they had the mutiny against the high evolutionary I'm like shoot him immediately what are you doing trying to like take over the ship while he's still staying there alive like shoot him in the face like 
I'm not generally Seriously. one for violence, but like that that guy needed to be shot, like without any hesitation. Head cut off. The end. The end. Seriously, if someone was gonna get shot in the face or get their head cut off, it'd be him. Because we see his descent into madness, you know? Just, no, we need to get him. Blow it up. But our people, no, blow it up. We'll make another one, you know? No, they're not perfect, you know? And you see his, like, underlings, like, oh, no. Ah, the fact that they hesitated, I'm like, we could have gotten through this movie a lot sooner had you not hesitated. Shoot him in the face next time. I know. I want, even with... Even with Rocket, though, not killing him at the end, I'm just like, because I'm a guardian, I'm like, all right, yes, sweetie, I'm very proud of you, but kill him. <laughs> I was, kill him. I was, no loose ends, okay? I didn't see a body at the end of all this, okay? I think it's heavily implied that he died in the fiery inferno, but unless I see a body, I never believe someone's dead. <laughs> Honestly, though, that that's, we have to. We have to assume that there's a possibility they might come back if we don't see a body. Oh my gosh. It, it would have been for the greater good to kill this guy. Like, he would have, if he lived, he's just going to do this crap all over again. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's going to cause problems later. Like, <laughs> like it's, yeah. Anyway. Like, because we don't even see the moment where, like, he gets, he gets, this is really gruesome, but, like, gets burned alive, which would, I think, equate to, like, seeing the body, you know? We just see them escape, and I'm like, well, where is he? Like, I didn't, I don't see a body, okay? I don't see a charred corpse, okay? I just, also, like, it's just, like, another delicious irony, too, that, like, his, the perfection of his own form is ruined by Rocket as well. You know, when they're oh, peeling, off, yeah. peeling off the skin. And for a second, I was like, is this another Red Skull situation? I can't handle that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, no, no. We've seen enough of this fool. No, leave him on that other planet with the Infinity Stone. No, we're, we're done with him. Let him be tired as he's watching the Soul Stone. Like, that is all that I want from that dude. I never want to see him again. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, so just like totally clawed apart and his own self is like like ruined, so to speak, by Rocket. And um it's just like again, just I ironic given how much he strive for like perfection, although Rocket corrects him and says, No, it wasn't about perfection, you just hated the way things were. Oh, so there's good. A, there's a really wonderful um meta element to that as well though, right? Because that's what Peter was struggling with. Like, he just hated the way things were. He wanted, like, his version of the perfect Gamora, and he just hated the way things were, and he couldn't accept and make peace with what he did have, with who he did have in his life, and with himself as it is, as it stands, right? Um, so that's interesting, too. Yeah, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize how that how well that tied in. Man, that's great. That's brilliant. That's really the theme oh, of this movie man. is like coming to terms with yourself and accepting yourself and your situation as it is and like not always clawing your way to try to make it a certain way. You know, I mean, I think for Mantis, right? Like for her, it's like just following orders just to keep um dad happy um and to keep like, the Guardian's happy keeping her brother happy, like, never thinking about what makes her happy. 
right? And like, oh yeah, you know. So I love that little arc too because like she really is like undervalued and taken for granted, and like including like she has massively massive powers. Like I mean, she was able to subdue ego, and I am shocked that like Nebula doesn't even seem to acknowledge. I mean, I'm not shocked, but I am shocked like that like she's taken that power for granted. She's like you. Andrax are like totally useless you just like help people in the moment of weakness and I'm like she fought ego when he was at his strongest I don't know what you're talking about nebula you know I mean like the um sway that she has over people's emotions and even consciousness is like significant you know that she doesn't even have to be touching scary. them the whole time it lasts them a while yeah yeah I mean, we talked about this a lot with the holiday special realizing how strong her powers were you know mm-hmm. so like she's really not to be trifled with but I think her personality at like makes you gives you like or gives a lot of people like the false impression that that means she's weak and that that means she's helpless and useless you know and there's an extra layer too i think with that her being played by um an asian actress as well like you know and you think of the stereotypes against asian women like oh they're quiet and soft-spoken and like you know can be easily ignored um Mm -hmm. and you know, and I think you really see that come through for, for her as well. Um, but you see her strength shine through with, like, how she is with the creatures. And she, like, is like logic. They don't eat humans. They eat batteries, you know? And, like, her, there is strength in empathy, in, in emotion, and in, like, recognizing vulnerability and weakness, as Nebula puts it, right? The thing mm-hmm. that, like, everyone among the Guardians fights so hard against in their pursuit for what they define as perfection you know and really they're just again you know not satisfied just hating the way things are um you know and like what they all have to come to terms with is like this is the these this is the hand i've been dealt you know and for mantis i just really love seeing for her like coming into her own and realizing that she needs to come more into her own you know, as much as I wanted to see more, this is this is more nitpicky. I don't necessarily need this movie to do this, but like, I would have loved to have more Peter and Mantis moments, just them being brother and sister. And like, I was kind of disappointed that they weren't going off together. But I understand the necessity of them going their own paths for a while, in the hopes yeah. that they eventually reunite. But yeah, her arc was interesting to me as well. Yeah, no kidding. You know, I was like, it was very bittersweet how the Guardians like split up at the end, like for their own reasons. You know, but it was needed. It was needed for Peter to sort of pass on the leadership mantle to Rocket and to make sure that things were okay at nowhere while he reconnected with his grandfather and Mantis just finding her own path and Drax realizing he wasn't a destroyer, but a dad, you know, oh, oh my God, that was really good. too. God, great line. Oh, my gosh. Who are the writers here? Man, they did some great lines for this, this- movie. This was directed and written by James Gunn. Yeah, James Gunn! What a king. Yeah, so, yeah, and, like, that moment where he's, like, playing with the kids and speaking their language and everything. I mean, there is, lo- like, a logical question of, like, how he did he know the language? But, like, when he he's bonding with them, I was like, oh, I forgot that he was a dad, you know? And, like, he's it made dad. me sad. And so, like, to see him be, like, another adoptive dad situation, kind of like what we got with Thor at the end of Love and Thunder, you know? And so... To see that for Drax, I was like, oh, that's the perfect way for him to, like, settle down with, you know, not with Gamora, but, like, you know, they're both in nowhere and just, like, helping, like, the the townspeople, so to speak, you know, and leading that space, and that's where they're needed. 
and I think that's that's nice and I hope that like he has a very happy household with all those children (laughs) Um, seriously the fact that he bonded with them right away you know I just I love that like the kids are just unafraid of these three strangers bursting into their home you know and they're just touching him and like trying to cling to them and Drax he's all for it yeah, he just has this big old grin on his face. And I'm like, Dave Bautista, you softy. Oh my gosh. And the fact that he's just so gentle with him, even though he's calling a moron or whatever. But he like plays with them, bees a monkey to them, and he's just so soothing to them. It's so awesome. And you just see that smile that he's got when Nebula says that you're a dad. Just He's like, yeah. You know, the fact that he was dealt the hand of, you know, getting his family killed in front of him, which awful, you know, and he spent his whole life wanting to destroy and get revenge only to settle back into the role he was meant to do. Just very fitting for his character arc, especially since there was a moment where I thought he would go with Mantis on her journey. He's like, I'll come with you. You're weak. I can protect you, you know. Which, insulting, but you can tell that he really does love her as, like, a sister, you know, even though they have that bickering sibling vibe. Right. Yeah. As strong as ever. The other bickering sibling pair that I was not expecting was Kraglin and Cosmo. I love that so much. And I love that uh, we see Kraglin getting the hang of, like, figuring out how to use the uh, arrow Yondu left him. I like how, though, like, he tries to use it on Adam, only for Adam to be like, who threw that at me? What the heck? You know? (laughs) But Kraglin, like, seeing Yondu be like, it's in your heart, you know? And that's what gets him the the push he needs. And in the meantime, him and Cosmo, they just, they've got this bickering sibling vibe even before stuff goes down. You know, he's trying to figure out his arrow, and she's just all telekinetically just moving stuff. You're a bad dog. <gasps> you take that back. You know, <laughs> the fact that everybody's in on that. Oh my gosh, just take it back, Craglin. No, can't take back what's true. Oh yeah. my gosh, so good. Yeah, so that was a nice little fun running running gag between them. And yeah, but Cosmo, Cosmo's a beast, telekinetic beast, and I love it. Love that for her. Um, mm-hmm. I love her yeah. so much. Can't wait to see more of her. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be good. Um, but yeah. Um, well, okay. Was there anything else we wanted to say about about Rocket and the High Evolutionary and that whole? Oh well, the oh, setting for animals. Okay, like the animal animal yes. rights thing. Right. So like that's when Rocket, you know, encounters all of the baby raccoons and he sees the label and he's like, "Oh, I am a raccoon." Like, I guess all the time he just never believed anybody because like you're just making fun of me, right? And so. Yeah. I think that's why he's been so vehemently against it, right? Even almost killed Kevin Bacon over it, you know. And so, <laughs> uh, although did he call or he, did he call him something other than a raccoon? I can't remember now, but, um, but yeah. So like, um, I really loved seeing that like reconciliation of his identity as well, with like you know, and all of them surrounding him, and that was just like a beautiful oh. moment, um. You know, like, this movie really said, like, animal rights, you know, and I love it for that, but at the same time acknowledging, like, the bias that is still there, right, because Rocket's like, we have to say, well, we already saved everybody, he's like, no, we have to save all of these, you know, creatures creatures and animals, too, and so, like, you know, they're bringing them in, too, and, like, one of the guys says to Peter, like, I thought we were just, 
you know, saving the higher life forms. And Peter's like, I thought so too, you know? And so it yeah. still shows that like, there is a bias against like animals, right? Like, oh, they're, they're not as worth, worth saving, you know? And like, that's still like an issue. And I wonder if they'll ever unpack that. Cause I think there's something interesting there to be said about that. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so- a lot of animals were experimented on in this, you know? So seeing Rocket like, no, we're going to save him, you know, maybe it's because, you know, he knows what it was like to, like, not be, uh, I guess, intelligent enough for conversation with the quote unquote higher beings. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they saved them all, like every single one of them, that was awesome. Yeah, they definitely have a long way to go. You know, because I could see totally saving the children, but everyone else is just like, y'all got almost killed for animals. So I wonder if they will unpack that later. And I kind of hope they do. But at the same time, I'm I'm not like holding my breath here. Yeah, it's kind of it reminded me a little bit of the house elf situation with Harry Potter. You know, it's like only Hermione mm-hmm. cared. Um, yeah. So I don't know. There's oh, speaking of parallels, though, what was the other parallel I was making about the high evolutionary? Oh, yeah. Like his obsession with Rocket. And just, like, throwing everything at him to, like, get him back was really reminiscent of Kylo Ren with Luke Skywalker. Just, like, shoot oh my gosh, this right? one man in the middle of this white planet. Like, and Hux is like, that's not a good idea. And he's like, do it more! You know, it's just so <laughs> singularly focused on Luke. And, like, Luke uses that to his advantage, right? And so I think that it just reminded me a lot of that moment. Of just like Kylo Kylo Ren, more energy was totally, totally the high evolutionary, and like, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah, and okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make another dig against Kang. Um, I this is becoming as regular a thing as me bringing up Steve Rogers. Oh, there's that. Um, but Kang is a lame villain. I said it. I've said it many times. I will say it many more. Um, this guy though is has way stronger presence and is like more threatening and more just I don't want to use the word charismatic because that's not quite the right word but like compelling I guess compelling Um, is definitely the word yes yeah and like again like it's just like in his obsession with Rocket and like and like but also like he says something really interesting to his lackeys when they're like what you know, why, you just, like, let's just create the new counter-counter-Earth with these, like, beings that you've already created. And he's like, no, we need the brain, Rocket's brain, because, you know, um, a society can't move forward without invention or innovation. I forget the exact phrasing he uses, right? Yeah, and, like, yeah. It's, it's so interesting that he recognizes that and yet thinks that, like, transplanting and duplicating Rocket's brain will automatically lead to this innovation and creativity that he's wanting for his, like new higher quote higher level beings because like there's like the creativity inventiveness and like that spark the is like it's beyond science you know it's like there's magic to it there is power to it there's divinity to it you you could even say you know Uh and like to just like create that in a test tube like he's missing the point you know of like the creative brain of the inventor's brain even though he himself is an inventor he's like so narrow-minded that he doesn't have like this more global view this more innovative and like widespread view that like rocket has 
And so that was just an interesting commentary also about like, like it, it made me think of the whole conversation that we're having about artificial intelligence right now with like chat GBT, GPT as well. And like, you know, like our like writers going to be replaced, right? Like you can just like have like this machine check out like a movie script or an essay or what have you. And it's like, well, if you think that that's the future of writing, like, <laughs> like you seriously do like undervalue and underestimate the importance of like artistry and creativity that is not easily achieved by just like punching in code. You know, it's impossible to uh-huh. do by punching in code, I would say. And so like it that's it, that I don't know. I feel like the high evolutionary is like actually a lot of people in our society and the way they view like like the arts and even the sciences and like how they actually intertwine more than we even realize anyway i'm getting on the soapbox right now sorry (laughs) (laughs) all good all good i definitely felt the passion for that because i swear this guy like rankled me in like all the ways possible like like most of the villains i've wanted to punch in the face but i'm just like man take this guy down someone punch him in the mouth or something so please you know just the fact that he was just so obsessed with creating the quote unquote perfect society i'm like why and even peter calls him out yeah i don't really care you weren't hugged enough as your mom you know you got a vision i don't care you know i'm like thank you yeah someone needed to tell him that thank you peter so yeah yeah, no please have the soapbox bridge i'm totally (laughs) fine with that yeah, well, I mean, that's, like, pretty much the gist of it, though, that I wanted to say both about high evolutionary and our society, at least for the present moment. But, yeah, I think I think that's pretty much all I wanted to say about the high evolutionary rocket, unless there's anything else you wanted to add. Uh, nope, just don't want to punch him in the face. Whether he's alive or burned to death, I have not seen a body, but if he comes back, someone punch him in his red skull, uh, skeletor-looking face. Get him out. Yeah, no, I think I th- he's not, like, my favorite villain necessarily, like, that spot is still reserved for, like, the likes of Killmonger and Hela and whatnot, but, like, very oh, yeah. effective villain for, like, this story and this narrative and for the Guardians and, like, the personal, you know, anguish and tension, right? Um, Again, it's personal, right, with, with Rocket and with the Guardians, right? I mean, the devastation on Peter's yeah. face when he almost loses Rocket, like, you know, all of that, you know, is... is move forward by this antagonist by this villain and i think it's it's very effective so yeah kudos to that um yeah and shout out to the new guardians that's great you know love that for rocket being a leader he was not ready before and like the thing that i love about this trilogy and where i can really see the, the vision come through like the singular vision come through is like we've been building on this since arguably the first movie but definitely the second for rocket to like come into his own and really become the protagonist of the guardians of the leader of the guardians right because he would not have been ready even a movie ago for to be like the leader you know yeah no he wasn't ready right but now now we see how how he is and it's it's by confronting his past and he says himself like i'm done running right and i think that's what inspires peter as well to like say you know what i'm done running too and so it's just really wonderful to see how the guardians continue to play off of each other and like influence each other's lives for the better even though like they're all like very flawed characters you know it just shows that you don't have to be perfect to help those around you to be better people and to and for them to inspire you to be a better person you know like 
there's just something really so beautiful about like the flaws of i can't say humanity right because they're not all humans but like you know the flaws of like existing in this world that is so broken in so many ways and like how you can thrive in the midst of that and how you know your community can help prepare that even if it's like a little cracked around the around the edges um it's still important and still so valuable and i think that's just beautiful just beautiful Mm -hmm. yeah yeah seriously the guardians are awesome and i really enjoyed this movie there were just so many things that i loved about it and i'm curious to see what they're going to do next because um at the end credit scene after uh, we see the quote-unquote new guardians and peter bonding with his grandfather it says the legendary star lord will return none of the others i'm like yeah okay yeah i'm just like but the guardians are coming back right like i like because i mean they put in a lot of effort to develop rocket's character and for that to just for him to never show up again seems a little odd to me like if bradley cooper is done i'm like okay hire someone else to be the voice actor i don't care like (laughs) sean gunn was doing all the motion capture he capture he was doing most of the hard work okay not that the voice acting wasn't important but like I don't know. Visually, I find like it less of a complaint for me if they were to recast if it comes to that. But I want to see more of Rocket. Um, don't get me wrong. I, like I like I'm happy to see more of Peter as well. But like I really just feel very strongly about you know, yeah. I don't know. Because I'm like we put in all this work to like kind of like let other characters shine, you know, and not so much Star Lord. I don't. I don't need to be reassured of like Star Lord and Star Lord alone coming back. Like that's not what I needed. But okay. Right. Yeah, I'm curious to see what they're going to do, because it seems like they, like, have vague plans of bringing back the Guardians, but nothing uh, definite. I'm like, all right, you know, just, okay. But otherwise, a very satisfying conclusion to this trilogy. Very Mm -hmm. satisfying. Very bittersweet. Any other little things you want to talk about that we haven't been able to touch on? Um, let's see. Oh, when uh Rocket was like about to enter the afterlife and he reunites with his friends and they're like, Yeah, we see the sky. Mm. You know, it's forever. Oh mm. I was crying. It's not your time yet. Oh, gosh. Never fails to get me those like uh those pearly gates, but it's not your time yet moments in like books and movies. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, uh, was, honestly, I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think. Oh, the music. How can we talk about Guardians without talking about the music? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, I feel embarrassed that I haven't brought it up before now. Great soundtrack as usual, even if I only recognize like three of the songs. Yeah, I know. I like it wasn't as heavy on like the eighties these days, you know? Yeah, and I'm totally cool with that. I was just like, alright, you know, that's that's cool. Give Peter some more musical taste. I assume he's picked up a couple more things. On his brief stint on Earth and then throughout. And then, I don't know what Thor might have introduced him to, honestly. Oh, that's true. So, yeah, yeah, definitely more of a mixture. And it's nice to see that they hooked up the music to, like, the rest of Nowhere that everyone seems to enjoy, you know? Just the looks on the children's little faces when they were hearing Dog Days by Florence and the Machine. They're like, I don't Mm -hmm. know what this is, but this is great, you know? Yeah, that was lovely. And we were talking about Florence and the Machine earlier that day, too, which I thought was funny. Oh, but the best music and scene pairing, I think, was No Sleep Till Brooklyn with that fight scene. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, I got to take a moment to comment that the, like, Marvel does group battle scenes very well. 
Like, mm-hmm. seriously, the Guardians were just in sync with each other, just going off back to back. When one's about to falter, another one steps in. Uh, you got Gamora, you know, going in there. You got Groot getting in there. Uh, you got Nebula, who cracked her head and yet gets back up like nothing. And everyone's just shooting and going for, oh, beautifully choreographed. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was a wonderful scene, like amazing fight choreography and special effects and all the things. Um, really, really good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, great soundtrack. Can't wait to get the CD. Mm, yeah. Um, oh, one more quick thing that as I'm like scrolling through Wikipedia, it looks like this is the last time that uh, Zoe Zal- Zaldania is playing Gamora. She was already playing it. She already played it more than she played that role more than longer than she expected to. So I think really? this really is the end of the Gamora Petership. Alrighty, okay, I'm I'm okay with that. And like I'm okay with yeah, I don't necessarily this sounds terrible, but I, I, I'm I don't necessarily need to see Gamora again. I think that'd be interesting, but I feel like she's just on a such a different path that like I'm okay with you know assuming that she's just out hanging out with the Ravagers for the rest of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm totally cool with that. And if they ever do bring her back, I know they don't have to get Zoe Zaldana now that we're in the multiverse saga and all that. True. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Good luck to Zoe Zaldana. She did excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. And anything I'm, else? Um, hoping for you know Nebula to continue on her path to just heal inner healing for her as well. You know, as she's leading nowhere and everything. Yeah. 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 Great movie. I really hope y'all watch it yourselves if you haven't already. This this was a great one. Yeah, no, I had a good time. Like, we came to the end of the movie and I was like, this was perfect. This is everything I wanted and everything I needed. And, you know, you don't always get that in a movie. Um, particularly, you know, sometimes with Marvel. It's just like hit or miss, I think. Partially depending on, like, movie quality, but also, I think, just depending on the person. You know, people have different vibes and are looking for different things. And so, like, I don't know. Guardians of the Galaxy always hits the spot for me. And, you know, I think I can say unequivocally that this is just, like, a really great trilogy. And, like, one of these days, we're definitely going to have to do, like, a full, spend devote a whole day just to watch Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, the whole thing from beginning to end. I'm curious on how it will, like, knowing everything that I know now to, like, go back and watch from the beginning... How much more painful everything will be, but also just like <laughs> um, how much more fascinating and layered and deep and rich, you know, the story will be knowing like how it all turns out in the end is just like, that's just something else, you know? And so I'm really looking forward to doing that one day because um, I think there'll be a lot more to, to unpack. Definitely. Yeah. All and right. This well, Marvel hit, hit a home run with this one. Yeah, no, absolutely, 100%. Um, anyone who disagrees with me can fight me. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, and on, on a real note, though, like, it's been a good time, and I've really appreciated everyone's work on this, on this movie, and, like, James Gunn, and the cast, and the crew, and just everybody who's worked so hard on this, like, the VFX, the VFX team, like, everybody, everybody's doing such a great, great work, and so just thank you all and thank you listeners for um listening to our deep dive analysis slash ramblings about this amazing film really appreciate the support yeah definitely not sure what we'll talk about next um probably across the spider-verse for all i know Mm. but yeah thank you all so much for listening and 
crying with us and just getting into Marvel with us. Uh, not tired of it yet, but mm. we'll, we'll see as the as time goes on. They keep doing interesting things. We'll have to see. But yeah, I'm ready for Miles, though. Also, also, Jason Reynolds also? came out with a sequel to the Miles Morales book called Suspended. So PSA, go and get that book. It just dropped. I have it in my house right now. It, Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> so, We're ready, folks. Yeah, if you want to get into the Miles Morales movie before his film comes out, like, go ahead and do that. All right, PSA over. All right, thank you all so much for <laughs> listening. <laughs> and we hope to talk to you next time on... Nerd Nerd alert. alert. Girls. Girls. Bye. Bye.